um, the lesson is taken from John, chapter 15, um, starting at verse 1 to 17. And you'll find this on page 1083, 1083. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in the love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant doesn't know his father's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For, ev for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. A prayer as we sit. Lord, sow the seed of your word in our hearts this morning and make us ready to receive it so that it may bear fruit in our lives for your glory's sake. Amen. It was very appropriate in a way that Pam was reading that uh, reading from that Bible on the lectern, a, a large lectern Bible. It was um, given in memory of Tony Richards by his wife, Alison. And I wondered if you, those who knew Alison Richards or saw in the uh, last week's notice sheet, there was something about donations given at her funeral a few weeks ago. Ali Richards, who was so much a part of the life of this church over many years. And this is what her children wrote. Many thanks to all of you who contributed so generously 
towards the building of a well in Uganda in memory of mum. The total that we've received in donations is £1,904.65p. Any extra funds needed will be added from mum's account so that we can achieve our goal. And it won't be the first well that Ali has helped to build in Uganda. There are at least two others. And isn't it great that Ali continues to bring hope to people in Ugandan villages in the name of the Lord whom she served on earth and in whose presence she now rejoices in one of those rooms in heaven that Jesus has prepared for all his followers as we were thinking about last week when we looked at John chapter 14. But wells in Africa are not the only fruit of Alison's long life. Just look across the road at the community centre, opened three years ago. And it was Alison who gave some of the money for the initial planning stage without knowing whether the project would go ahead, although she always had faith that it would. Think of all the people Alison visited in hospital in their homes or who were brave enough to accept a lift in her car. <laughs> you, you've seen the dented vehicle and the impact she had on them and on all who heard her speak of her trust in... Oh, yes, the impact, thank you. <laughs> Unintentional, that one. And uh, the impact she had on them and on all who heard her speak of her trust in God for whatever each day might bring. And it's in people, even more than in wells or buildings, that we can see the fruit of Alison's life, for which she would want us to thank not her, but the Lord in whom she trusted. That's the sort of fruit that Jesus was talking about in our reading from John's Gospel, chapter 15 and verse 8. This is my Father's, to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It would be good to keep your Bibles open at page 1083. 1083, as we look at this parable of the vine together and what it teaches us about fruitfulness in our own lives and in the lives of the church. But why was Jesus talking about fruitfulness in this part of John's Gospel? Well, chapters 13 to 17 are all about what Jesus said to his disciples at the Last Supper on the evening before he was crucified. In chapter 13, Jesus washes his disciples' feet a picture of making them clean as he looks forward to his death on the cross. And he says that they too must show sacrificial love to one another. And at that point, Judas goes out into the night. In chapter 14, as we heard last week, Jesus says that he is the way, the truth and the life. The only way in which we can come to God through him. In the second part of that chapter, Jesus promises that when he leaves his disciples, he will send his Holy Spirit to be with them. He describes his spirit as another counsellor, the word another, another of the same kind of counsellor, to do for them from the inside what Jesus had been doing for them from the outside. And now in chapter 15, Jesus tells his followers that he and his heavenly Father and what they expect from them, that they, that we, should be fruitful. Jesus uses the picture of a vine, not just because it was one of the most important fruiting plants of his time, 
but also because it had particular significance for the Jewish people. In several parts of the Old Testament, the nation of Israel is compared to a vine that God has cared for, but that hasn't produced the fruit that he expected. In Isaiah chapter 5, for example, we read this in verse 7. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are the gardens of his delight. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Isaiah was warning the people of God of his time that God was going to bring judgment on them, leading to the painful but purifying experience of exile in Babylon. But sadly, when they returned to their own land, the people forgot some of the lessons they had learned, and their leaders still led them astray. So in contrast to the unfaithful, disobedient, fruitless vine of the Israel of his own time, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. In effect, Jesus is telling his disciples that he and his followers are to be the new people of God, a new community that will live under his kingly rule. But the privileges of being members of that kingdom community are matched by the call to obey Jesus' commands, which they can only do if they remain close to him. Jesus is not saying that the disciples have to live a life of obedience in order to be joined to the divine and to become members of his kingdom. No, in verse 3 of chapter 15, he says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That's the word of cleansing and forgiveness. He spoke to them as he washed their feet before their meal together. But what he says they will need is ongoing pruning or cleaning. As someone pointed out to me, it's in the uh, bottom of the page, I think, the Greek word used at this point in John's Gospel is the same for both pruning and cleaning, catherinizing, literally. And that pruning is to make them more fruitful so that their lives show that they are indeed joined to the true vine as members of Jesus' kingdom. Verse 8 again, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. For those 11 disciples in the upper room, there was also a warning about the fate of Judas, who just left them to betray Jesus. This action showed that he'd become disconnected from Jesus, the true vine, and he was now like a withered branch that's fit only for the bonfire. What was true for Jesus' first followers is also true for us, once we've been grafted into that true vine by responding in faith to Jesus' call to follow him and receiving his cleansing and forgiveness, then we too are called to be fruitful. I asked my growth group this week which verse they thought was the key verse for us in our reading from John 15, and they pointed to verse 5, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, If anyone remains in me, and I in them, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the questions we need to ask ourselves are, what sort of fruit does Jesus look for in our lives? And how can we produce that fruit? So what sort of fruit does Jesus look for in our lives? 
Well, when another reader in this church who's now far away from trial preached on this passage several years ago, he said that the fruit referred to new followers of Jesus, new shoots added to the vine who would in turn reach out and draw others in. The fruit would bear more fruit, if you like. And he was right to say that new Christians are a wonderful fruit that brings glory to the Father. But they're not the only fruit that Jesus is talking about here. While I'm preaching here, or perhaps just a few minutes ago, in Angersley, Sandra Jones is preaching on this passage, and she's chosen for her other Bible reading, Galatians chapter 5, and including these verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of Christian character. It's when we become more like Jesus in the way we relate to other people and in the way that we cope with the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And that too brings glory to God. As Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And sometimes the fruit may be, well, intangible. You can't quite see it. I once had a teaching colleague who's one of the kindest people I've ever known. It wasn't just what she said and did herself. The thing is that when she was in the room, it was difficult to say something unkind about anyone else. You found yourself being a better person in her company. Perhaps you know someone like that. And such people produce the fruit of influence on other people. They improve the atmosphere of a workplace or the community around them on what we in this church have come to call our front lines or points of contact with the world beyond ourselves and our church. And that leads me to ask, what sort of fruit does Jesus look for in our lives, not just as individuals, but together as a church? After all, when Jesus spoke to his disciples, he was speaking to them as a group, not just interviewing them one by one. And it was all together that they first made an impact on the day of Pentecost, even if Peter did most of the speaking. This year we've been asking ourselves, how can Troll Church be good news to the community? We can be good news to this village in many ways, such as through our links in the school and through the community centre. In that centre we host groups for all sorts of people, not things that we do ourselves, but hosting groups for young mums and their babies, uh, some sort of massage group, I think it is. But since the shutters of the cafe are down, I'm not quite sure what they get up to. <laughs> Groups that try to get uh, young people into work for the first time, and that includes some of the volunteers in the cafe. We've held a memory cafe and hope to do so again. It was on behalf of the church as a whole that we sent flowers and two cream tea tokens to the lady in the shop when she was threatened with a, a screwdriver a couple of weeks ago and the money in the shop till was stolen. As a church, we support mission in many places, including some who serve in the Taunton area through Open Door for the Homeless, Taunton Beesome, giving practical help to people that can't do things like look after their garden. I'm waiting till I quite fit into that category. <laughs> Um, reaching out through Taunton team chaplaincy in shops and workplaces and Taunton Youth for Christ in several schools and colleges. There's just some fruit, isn't there, that can only be produced effectively if we work together. 
The ways in which our life as a church can impact this village of Troll are also ways in which we can all influence other places where we may live or work or spend our leisure time. So that's just some of the fruit that I believe that Jesus looks for in our lives, both individuals and as a church. But how can we produce that fruit? Well, the simple answer is we can't. Look again at verse 5. Jesus said, I am the branches. I'll start again. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If anyone remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can't, not on our own. The secret is there, remain in me. The old translation had abide in me. Another more modern translation, remain united to me. It's something that each one of us needs to do. We must remain connected. Draw me close to you, we sang or listened to a moment ago. And it's not only for that sort of peace of heart that we need to remain close to Jesus, but so that we can be fruitful for him as well. We need to constantly keep in touch through prayer. We should follow the examples of teenagers with their mobile phones, partly as we were thinking at the beginning of this service. I noticed one or two people, um, as they came into church this morning, were um, checking their mobile phones and uh, switching them off as well. And I thought that shows they're really on the same length, wavelength as the young people that they may be coming to serve here. Wonderful. And uh, I was at Exmouth the other day. You know I like to go off for the day taking a train somewhere. And I thought, oh, I'll try this out. So when there's some, some teenagers who are on bikes to ride, I timed it. 20 seconds, that's all it took before their bike stopped, before the mobile phone came out. We should follow their example, keeping in touch throughout, with God throughout the day, thanking him for the good things, seeking his forgiveness when we mess things up, asking for help and guidance in tricky situations, or as someone was sharing with us, asking for him to keep us going when we just can't see why things are happening as they are, asking for his love to flow through us to everyone we meet. And Jesus promises to respond to those prayers. It's there in verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Did you notice there's something extra that Jesus added in that verse? If you remain in me and my words remain in you. We need to turn over in our minds the words of Jesus in the New Testament, the words of his apostles who'd been with him and listened to him or were called by him on the Damascus Road in the rest of the New Testament, the words that Jesus himself used as ways of communicating with his Father in the Old Testament. Turning over the words of the Bible in our minds can help us to see people and situations as God sees them. And we need to be reading the Bible regularly if those words are to get into our minds in the first place and stick there. And then there are songs and hymns, some of the ones we sing, that are based on words from the Bible and with the tune echoing round in our minds, they help us to remember them. When we come together to worship on Sundays or when we meet in our growth group during the week or when we just simply share a verse or a prayer with a friend, we can help each other to remain connected to God and that's what will enable us to be fruitful. 
And if we want to be more fruitful, we need to be aware of what that may involve. Just look at the second half of verse 2 of chapter 15. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. To be more fruitful in God's service, we must be prepared to accept, even to welcome, such pruning. For a vine, pruning must be a pretty painful process, if you think about it. Cutting off the wayward shoots that are blocking the light and taking up the energy that could be used by the fruiting stems. Or removing some of the mass of tiny green fruit so that the remaining grapes can swell and ripen to be of real use to the gardener. I didn't think of those examples myself. I acknowledged my debt to members of the growth group who are a bit more horticulturally expert. They were basing it on their varied success with grapes, but one person said that their vine was merely ornamental. Well, if we don't want to be merely ornamental Christians, we may have to undergo God's painful but loving pruning. There may be some parts of our lives, perhaps some practices or attitudes, which need to be cut out completely. Perhaps there are other things in our lives that aren't bad in themselves, but they just take up too much of our time and our resources and emotional energy, so they need cutting down to size. And such pruning is an ongoing process, if you like to stop the spiritual weeds returning. Although there may be times when we feel that God is pruning more drastically, and our lives seem to be turned completely upside down. At such times, we need to hang on in faith, trusting that God loves us and will bring us through to greater fruitfulness. I wonder, was, were people here last week? I wasn't at the family service over in the hall, but were people, a few, any people there? Oh, yes, well, some were there. I think it was a sketch there, wasn't there, of a Doris the donkey and her owner Dan uh, in the family service last week. Uh, when Dan was encouraging Doris to keep going with the heavy loads so that they'd reach their final destination. Does that sound right? Yes, it's nodding, that's encouraging. It was an illustration of heaven because it was John 14. But it's also true in this life when we feel the benefit of God's pruning, though it may have been hard at the time. When our lives are fruitful, we then experience a taste of heaven or should I say a foretaste of heaven in our own lives, in our church and in our community. The writer of the Hebrews put it like this in Hebrews 12 and verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Just as we can help each other to remain connected to God, so too we can support each other as we go through such periods of spiritual pruning that may be the necessary conditions for spiritual growth. We focused on, and that's what I've really done today, verses 1 to 8 of John 15, but I asked for the reading to include verses 9 to 17, not because I'm going to speak about them in detail, but because they put it all in the context of love. Jesus' love for us, his love for the Father, and that love flowing through us to others. And Jesus puts together some ideas that to the world today just seem to be opposite. For instance, Jesus commands us orders us to love, which seems strange to be commanded to love. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus says that the way to enjoy his love is through obedience. 
In verse 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. And although he commands us, Jesus says that we are his friends rather than his servants or slaves because he has let us into the secret of his purposes. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus' purpose is, to bring, is for us to bring glory to his Father. But in so doing, we shall also know the deepest joy for ourselves. It's there in verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I've just skated over those verses. Do take time to go back to them and let those wonderful truths sink in. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. A reading like today's can warm us and encourage us and challenge us. Or it can discourage us if it makes us feel guilty that our lives haven't been as fruitful as they might be. Well, if so, take a step this week to remain closer to Jesus. Allow the Father to prune away anything that's holding you back. Ask for the Spirit's help to produce just one small new grape of action or character in your life and in mine. And remember what God says at the end of another passage that can discourage us when it's meant to challenge us, the parable of the talents. There that the master representing God doesn't say to those who have used their gifts, well done, good and fruitful servant. What God says in that story is, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's joy. Because only God sees what fruit will last. So our responsibility is to remain in the vine, to remain connected and to love one another. And we can leave the fruit to him. Just a moment of quiet and then I'll say an ancient prayer. Thanks be to you, Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits that you have given us, for all the pains and insults you have borne for us. Most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may we know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly, day by day. Amen.